Amen, amen. Love seeing stories change here at Fellowship. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm having a good, a, a good Sunday. My name is Joe. If I haven't met you before, I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship, and we are thrilled to have you. Uh, so this is the really the end of, uh, of Kirk Jones's sabbatical, and so he will be back next week. No one's more excited than me uh, to have him back. And so some of, some of y'all are like newer to the church, and you're just like, who is this Kirk y'all keep speaking of? Uh, so that's, that's our lead pastor. He'll be back next week. We, he had his 10-year uh, sabbatical this summer, and so he is, I'm sure, uh, itching to get back in the pulpit and, uh, and share with you guys starting next week. Um, so this is, uh, this is an exciting week for me, though. This is um, what we're going to talk about this morning is really some material that I've, I've kind of spent all summer working on. Um, and, and, and this has really been my, my project during Kirk's sabbatical. Uh, so you're like, well, but this should be a really good sermon. Uh, let's, not, let's not get carried away yet. I don't know yet. We'll see. Uh, but I want to ask you something. Um, if you are like me and you tend to get pretty frustrated when you feel like you've wasted time, energy, effort, and you're just like, I expected some results and they're not here. Right, and it, it, it irks me, and it just gnaws at me, right? And so some examples, uh, like, a, like an easy one, is like out in the mornings. You know, in the mornings, like you, you, time speeds up somehow, and you don't have near enough time. And however early I get up, there's never enough time in the mornings for I have to go. And so, like, I'll make my coffee. I talked about coffee last week, and, and I like, give myself just enough time for it to get finished. I can grab my cup on the way out, Right. And so half the time, I go to grab my cup only to realize I forgot to put grounds in the coffee maker. And I essentially made myself a cup of hot water. And that's not, that's not what I came for. I've just wasted this time. i got to start back over, right? Um, some other times, maybe like when we're driving and we're like, I'm in the slow lane. That lane is flying. I'm going to get in this lane only to see, oh, it stopped. Now that's the fast lane. And if I, I know if I go back, it's going to become a slow lane. I, 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 you tricked me once, traffic. You're not going to trick me again, right? Uh, so that, that's also awfully frustrating. So uh, uh, a big one for me, I think about where I uh, was really disappointed that I had wasted a lot of time and energy. So our, our students uh, have been going to, to, to cross camp the last several years, and I've been a, a part of cross camp for a while. So one year I was writing our Bible study for camp. This was, this was some time ago. And I, I got ready to, we lived in Texas, I got ready to, to come back to Louisiana. We're going to have a, a day where we kind of trained our leaders. So I was getting the Bible study under my thumb drive, I was going to get back to Louisiana and print it off only to realize somehow it's no longer on my computer. It doesn't exist. This material I spent months working on, the computer just ate it. I don't know. And so I was, I was beginning to, to panic. I'm, I'm looking in all these different folders and places my, I didn't know my computer had. I'm calling everybody that I know that has any kind of knowledge of technology and saying, please give me a solution. In the end, it was just gone. It was just gone. Uh, so I, I called up a buddy and together we just hashed out, you know, some resemblance of a Bible study in a couple of hours and, and, and just had to give up on what I'd spent months doing. And so just like situations like that is just like, oh man, all that energy wasted all that time focus on those things is gone that's a frustration that we feel sometimes and I think I think that similar feeling is something we have in our faith sometimes that we we want 
things to be happening, and, and maybe we're trying to do some of the right things, but we're not really sure that anything is really happening in us, happening to us. Any kind of transformation we're really seeing. And so the way our relationship with the Lord works, according to the Scriptures, is there's a point in our life where we go from being spiritually dead to being made spiritually alive, right? There's a point in time where that happens, right? And so and that change is entirely dependent on Christ. Like he does all the heavy lifting. He does all the work. None of it depends on our own efforts, our own works. We receive this gift of God that's made free to us through faith. And then after we cross over from death into life, he invites us into this progression, this journey, this growth. And we feel that and we want that. And sometimes we put some effort a lot of effort into it. And we may look back saying, I don't, I don't know that I'm, I've grown that much from last year, from five years ago, from how I was after I got saved. And there's this frustration to either, to either maybe feel, well, maybe this faith isn't really what it claims to be and then nothing's happening, or maybe I just got to fake it. Maybe I just... God, everybody expects me to be spiritually mature, and so I'll just act like I believe I am too, when in reality there's, a, there's an angst in us that we're not necessarily progressing. And the Bible talks about it in different ways, right? This, this growth, is, uh, there's words like sanctification, like discipleship, uh, like maturity. And so how do, we, how do we plug in and tap into this progression in our relationship with the Lord? Because our growth after we're saved, he invite, God invites us to participate, and it happens with effort. He invites us to, to partner with him in it. And so Sunday is dependent on the things that we do. And so what I think happens a lot of times is we're not really clear on what we're trying to do. If we don't really know our goal, what we're moving toward, and what that really is, then we're kind of just hoping we get there by accident, right? We don't usually get to places that are important that we want to be by accident. So what we want to do today is sort of help zero in and focus in on really what this goal is for us after we put our faith in Christ and he saves us. What, what do we want to be happening in us, to us, through us, okay? So... A good starting point uh, we can see is in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 13. So if you don't have a Bible, there should be some under your seats. Um, if you don't own one, we would love to, to meet you out in the lobby and give you one. Um, but otherwise, it should be on the screen for you to follow along as well. So Ephesians 4, 13 says this, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, which is, here's what it is, to the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ. Maturity, spiritual maturity is Christ-likeness. So we would say, okay, I'm a believer. I'm all in, Jesus. I'm putting my faith in you. Now what? Now what? Now becomes this journey where we grow to become more Christ-like. And Jesus used this language like it was like being born again. 
right? So he's having this conversation, and it's like you, you'd, you'd go from, uh, from being born once physically, and you're born again spiritually. And then elsewhere in the Bible, it uses some of this language, like where you start off as like a newborn baby spiritually, and you, you want to grow into maturity. And so, man, in our house, we love babies. Like, Babies are just the best. You know, I, I, I miss some of the aspects of when, when my kids were little. And in the first service, there was a little girl that was crying over on, on this side. And, you know, as a parent, you're always worried you're a distraction. But me and Jamie are like, I wonder if they'll let us hold her. I wonder if they'll let us, let us hold her. She, she just needs somebody to love on her, you know. And so, and they're, they're adorable. They're chubby. And they, they do funny things. And, and there's just so much potential we see in a baby. And they're cute, but that, that, that stops at some point. At some point, it's no longer cute for a, 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 a child or a young adult to do baby things, right? It's no longer cute for them to need you to feed them every bite. It's no longer cute if you need to change their diapers. It's no longer cute if you have to make them go to bed and make them take a bath and make them do these things, right? That's, that becomes uh, inappropriate at some point in their life. Spiritually, that's true as well. We don't want to remain spiritual babies. We want to grow to maturity and become more and more like Christ. And so uh, I I want to sort of help us zero in on really what that means, what that looks like. So a lot of times in the Scriptures, um, whenever uh, the Bible is talking about um, categorically all all of us, all of who we are, it'll kind of a lot of times use three categories. So, for example, in Ephesians uh, 6, chapter 4, uh, or chapter 6, verse 4, you get this passage called the Shema. And this is what Jesus quoted whenever he's talking about uh, the greatest commandment in all, in all the uh, Bible. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Right? And then it kind of gives us this, this, this discipleship explanation after it. It says, you're going to write these things on your heart. And you're going to teach them diligently to your children. That's their discipleship strategy. Teach these things, have them in your heart, then teach them diligently to your children. And then you're going to do it all the time. You're going to talk about them when you lie down, when you rise, when you walk along the road, when you're in your home, and you're going to write them on your hands and put them before your eyes and write them on your house and on your gates all the time. In every way, you're going to love the Lord, and in every way, you're going to try to disciple the next generation. Likewise, I want to share with us kind of three categories I want us to consider when we want to grow in Christ-likeness. And I find that most people who are trying to follow Christ are good in one, maybe two of these areas. But it's really difficult to, and unnatural for us to be uh, growing in all three of these areas. And so this is going to be a challenge for us. Maybe some, some things you didn't quite consider in your pursuit of Christ. Okay, so let's jump in. The first sphere uh, is going to be that we want to believe what Jesus believes. Believe what Jesus believes. I want to read to you, um, just to give you an idea of what we're talking about here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 14. It says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So natural would be like non-godly, like not a believer, just, just natural person, how we all start off. The natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. 
For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Listen to this. But we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. We want to grow to believe what Jesus believed. And that, that's not an automatic, right? That's not an automatic. We don't all, always just come in with all this knowledge. And that's intimidating for some of us. You're like, like well, I mean, school and books and studying, that's not, that's not what I'm good at, Joe. And I don't know, I don't really feel like I'm, I should be doing this. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, he makes this available to you. Okay, we're not, we're not sent on this growth journey alone. That he sends someone called the helper, who's God the Spirit, to help us in these efforts, to grow, to believe like Jesus believes. That, that looks like two things. One, that you grow in your biblical knowledge. Grow in your biblical knowledge. And that, that a lot of that's just consuming it. Like some of that happens on Sunday mornings, right? But Jesus talks about the, the, the Word of God like it's a daily bread. Like it's that important. Like it's a, that kind of a meal. We'd spend that, be that devoted to it, that committed to it. We'd be learning how, how, how God works, learning what matters to him, learning what's true, what's untrue. With that in mind, we also need to give up our false beliefs. Grow in your biblical knowledge and give up your false beliefs because we all come to God with some of those, right? And they come from all over the place. Sometimes it's like really, really well-intentioned. Sometimes it's something that we've believed our whole life. Sometimes it's something that we've, we've emphatically told other people is true. That's really hard to come back and say, you know what? Maybe that wasn't true. And, and sometimes it's like somebody we really trust and love and respect told us to believe these things, and then these things are true. It's hard for us to say, man, I, when I look here, I think maybe they were wrong about this. And we cling to it. Some of those things we just got to let go. As we grow in our biblical knowledge, we're going to find that there's times where we misunderstood some things about who God is, about who we are, about how he works, about how the world works. We need to be ready to surrender those things and submit to God's rule and his word. Begin to learn to believe like Jesus believes. The second realm, second circle, is that this will be news for some of us, is that we would feel like Jesus feels. You know, God cares about our emotions. Do you know that? Like that matters to him. Like he gives us some direction in that. Like, like for our women's conference, our theme references Jesus saying, uh, don't let your heart be troubled. Like that's, that's emotional language. Right? It's like you don't have to feel that way. In fact, it's better if you don't. He cares about the, the, the emotional aspect of us. Let me read to you the way Colossians 3, 14 and 15 says it. It says, Above all these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Here we've got love, we've got peace, we've got thanksgiving. These are the types of things that God wants in our hearts, in our emotions. And now this is, this is something that um, I think is, is we're all over the place on. Right? As, as believers and even as churches, 
Like there, there are churches who, this is the emotional aspect of, of, of following and loving the Lord is, is almost all that they're about. And they would maybe overemphasize it and neglect the others. And the same for some of us. We can over or underemphasize that God cares about the things that, that are happening within our hearts, but the things that, that drive us, about our desires. So two ways that we want to feel what Jesus feels. One is to guide the direction of your emotions. Guide the direction of your emotions, which is to say we want to learn to care about the things Jesus cared about and not care so much about the things he didn't care so much about. I would love it if the things that made Jesus joyful made me joyful. And the things that made Jesus sad and made him weep made me sad. And with the things that made him angry were the things that made me angry. And if I were to align my emotions, my feelings with his, right? And so and some of the things that we want to do, they, don't, they, don't, they feel like, like work and they don't, are not exciting to us or not fun to us or hard to enjoy because we don't love doing them. I was talking to Kurt uh, several weeks ago just about his love for evangelism. Like his love to, to really sit and just talk to someone about how Jesus can save them. And we talked about how that came to be. One of the ways that came to be is he believed it was true. Like he had the, the mind of Christ in this matter. He started doing it, put it in action. And eventually he learned to love it. He learned to love doing this, right? We guide the direction of our emotions. And so there's a... You know how certain movie clips that you watch, they get stuck in your head? Like even if they're, not an un, they're uninvited and they just live rent-free in your mind whether you want them to or not. Uh, there's, some of, there's a lot of those for me. Uh, one of those is from the, the, the animated classic Despicable Me. I don't know if there's any fans in here. I'm, I'm not a big fan, but I, I can't sh- shake this, this scene. So uh, this is the first one. So you've got Gru who... I don't even know how to describe him if you haven't seen the movie. Uh, but he's a villain, and he's going to get an evil loan. I don't, I don't know how else to describe that. Uh, so he's waiting at the evil bank to get an evil loan, to have an evil plot. And another villain is in the room. Do you know who this guy is? Victor. Some of y'all know. Victor, right? That's what he says. Uh, and and he's, he's like bothering Groot. He's telling him all about himself. And Groot is like really doesn't want to listen. And he's like, you know how I got my name? It's because I commit crimes with both direction and magnitude, right? And he's so proud of it. Such a, such a nerdy villain, right? It's like your, your villain name is a math term. That's incredible. That's incredible. But that's one of those things that just lives in my head rent-free. And, and, I, and I think it's, uh, it's kind of similar to our emotions a little bit, and that we want to guide both the direction and the degree of our emotions. God, uh, govern the degree of your emotions. So I don't just want to uh, care about the things Jesus cared about. We want to care about the things as much or as little as he cared about them. So there's an emotional spectrum and scale in the human race. You've got people who are super emotional. Like they're always at a 10. Like at any minute, they're going to be out of this world feeling some kind of way, right? You know who you are. You're like, like why is he talking about me? Why is he picking on me? I, I'm just saying, I know that y'all exist. 
On the other end, you've got people, and this is where I am, you're a little more dead inside, if we're honest, you know? <laughs> like you're just, and, and, and we even take pride in it. You'd be like, some of the, a lot of times, sometimes, this is a little more of the ladies, sometimes, uh, unless you're Jonathan Eichels. And, and then sometimes these are a little more of the, of the guys. And guys, we would like take pride in it. We'd be like, yeah, I'm just stoic. I don't feel anything. And, we, and there's like some, some, you know, aspect that we feel like this is more masculine in some way just to, to not feel things. And, uh, and we actually trick ourselves and, and, and convince ourselves that that's true. That we don't really, we're not an emotional person. But you take us to our hobbies and we get real emotional. You know, when we, when we kill the big deer, when we are playing the, the game and we, we defeat everyone in the game, or when, when Alabama comes to town and they play LSU, then, then we're like crawling over the fence, you know, chilling, kill them, kill them, blood makes the grass grow, let's just do it, you know. And we lose our minds for some things all of a sudden, and they're like, all right, got that out of my system. I'm not emotional anymore. And so I think all of us feel some of these in a way. We want to learn to govern the, both the, the degree and the direction of our emotions. God invites us to do that, and we want to learn to be like Jesus in this way. I'm going to give some instructions on how, how that works. Um, one of them, I'm going to just flip over real quick, is in Ephesians chapter 4. I mean, Philippians chapter 4. So this, this probably isn't going to be on your screen, but this is a good way to help us to, to govern our emotions. Listen to this. Uh, in, in Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, and there's any excellence, there's anything worthy of praise, he gives this list, and then he thinks and tell him to do something. You think what's coming after this, he's going to say, go do these things, but he doesn't. That's what he says. He says, think about these things. Kind of catches us off guard. There's this long list of good things. Put these in your head. Let your mind dwell on these things. And in doing so, you're going to develop a care for these things. You, the things that we fill our mind with are the things that enter into our heart. For example, the, even if we don't want to, even if we say, I, I want to fight against it, it's really, really hard. For example, I'm going to do a little exercise. Right now, I want you to use your imagination and do not think about cake. Don't think about chocolate cake. Don't think about just a perfectly warm, fresh out of the oven, drizzled with homemade chocolate and chocolate chips in it with a cold glass of milk right beside it and a fork that just cut through it and somebody's doing the airplane with the fork coming to your mouth. Don't, don't think about this cake right now, right? I'm telling you, the, the things that we put under our, under our mind are the things that come into our heart. Let's not just fight off the thoughts we don't want in there. Let's pursue some of these things, like things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. 
Let's fill these things in us. They're going to be showing up in our hearts and the things that we feel and desire. So we want to believe what Jesus believes. We want to feel what Jesus feels. Finally, we want to do what Jesus did. Do what Jesus did. Matthew chapter 16, 24. When Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, that's us, if we're his followers, we're coming after him, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. It is impossible for us to really say that we're our, uh, we know the Lord and we're following him if we're not putting the things that he did into action in our lives. We are absolutely fooling ourselves. James says this is like a faith that is dead. To say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really going to do the things. I'm just going to think them and feel them and you know, just keep them inside. And I'm not going to put them to work. That's a false faith. That's a dead faith. That's not actually faith. Faith that we follow Jesus always, always is going to be followed by good works like Jesus did. This is our third circle for us to consider. And so the way that we do that, first is that we refuse what's sinful. We've got to reduce the patterns of sin in our life. Because we all come into Christ's family still with the, the, some of our sinful habits, right? I've got mine, you've got yours. A lot of them are probably the same if we're, if we're being really honest. He invites us to sort of lay, lay some of those things down, and he actually empowers us to do it. Whereas before we were a of Christ, we didn't have any power to do it. We were slaves to our sin. We're no longer slaves to our sin. He gives us power to overcome them and lay them down. Second way we do what Jesus did is that we pursue what is righteous. You pursue what is righteous. So it's not just about saying no. It's about saying yes. And as we more, uh, more readily say yes to the things Jesus did, it'll get easier to say no to the things he said no to. Want to refuse what's sinful want to pursue what's righteous. And so for, for all you visual learners, uh, I've got a, a little Venn diagram here that, to kind of help it make sense. So you've got your beliefs, you've got your actions, you've got your emotions. And when we align those well, we're becoming more like Jesus. We want to pursue that, that alignment where all of them are like his. And like I said, you know which one maybe two of these spheres, you are naturally inclined to find a little easier. See, a lot of people, when we say discipleship, they only think of that belief circle. It's like, well, let's just learn. Let's just open the Bible and let's just start reading it. And that, that's as essential as that is, that's, that's the only part of it. Some people will say, I don't really need to learn or put in action. I just feel such an affection for the Lord and such an affection for people around me. And I, and I, and I, I want the Lord I, I, inside of me. I'm just boiling over with these good emotions. But I don't really know any theology. I'm not really putting these feelings into practice. Some people, it's, it's, it's all about doing. I'm just going to make sure I follow the rules. I don't know, I don't know how I'm supposed to think. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel but I know I'm supposed to follow the rules. And any of these areas that we feel like we're lacking in, what's, what's amazing to me, this is, this is kind of what 
I spent all summer kind of realizing is uh, if we were to grow in the other two circles, the third one would follow. Remember I told you the story about Kurt? He believed evangelism was important. He started putting it into practice, and then he found himself loving doing it. Does that make sense? So likewise, if you, if you believe something is true and you feel it's true, some, some action, oftentimes you're going to find yourself a little easier doing it. And all three of these are meant to work together, not against each other. Where we tend to separate them out, Jesus sort of brings them all together. So I say really all of this so we can understand what it is that we're doing in our faith after we're saved. What it really means to grow to spiritual maturity and not, not, not partial maturity. Like, you know what this is? It's really small. It is a king cake baby. The last time I got a king cake baby, I just keep it in my office. Um, just because it's a Louisiana thing, right? And I worry that, you know, in, in you know, one or two of these, these spheres, we're, we're very much spiritually baby-like still. Like, you, you, you're not really getting the Lord to grow your emotions, to align them with Jesus. Not really letting go of, of uh, untrue beliefs and pursuing biblical knowledge. Not really trying to do the things that are hard for you, the things that Jesus did. And I want to encourage you, listen, this is the adventure he's calling you into. I want to challenge you to take some of these steps. Identify where you're weak. Identify what you've been neglecting. Let's go after Jesus in these ways. Last passage I want to read to you is, is uh, Luke 6.40. So in Luke 6.40, Jesus kind of gives this something like a warning. So it says, The disciple is not above his teacher. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, you're not, you're not above what Christ did. Right? It's not that his works are below you. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. He's our teacher. He's our rabbi. We're his disciples. We're pursuing to grow to be like him in every way we can. And a lot of times that's a sacrificial way. He's calling you to do some hard things. Calling you to do some things that part of us doesn't want to do. Things that intimidate us. Things that make us feel a little uneasy to tap into some emotions that, 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 that scare us, or that we've been led to believe or associated with weakness. Or maybe there's other things in your life that, that, that just sort of keep you from growing in, in all three of these areas. I'm going to tell you, that the invitation is, is for you to trust in Him, lean into the Helper, the Spirit, trust in Him to, to, to guide you as you put in the effort. So I'm going to lead us in some prayers. So we want to get you about to bow the heads, close your eyes. I'm going to invite you to pray some things that are a little bit dangerous, a little bit scary to ask for. You know, people say, don't ever ask God for patience because he'll make you go through things which I always thought was ridiculous. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Ask God for the hard things. I get you to ask for some hard things from the Lord. First, 
you would say, God, would you grow my knowledge of your word? Say, reveal to me how I've neglected this discipline. Are there any opportunities you want me to step into to grow, to believe like Jesus believed? Do you help me to know you better? Say, reveal some, some beliefs that are wrong that I've inherited and have held on to that I need to reject, I need to let go of. I need to test against your scriptures. These are hard prayers. Say, Lord, would you also reveal to me where my emotions don't line up with yours? Times where I've been too emotional about things you would not have been emotional about. Times where I should have been emotional and felt nothing. Would you grow me in these areas? Would you give me the courage to explore why I'm not Christ-like in my emotions? Say, Lord, would you reveal to me the ways I'm not living my life like Jesus did? Reveal to me the sin in my life that I need to begin to reject and flee from. Reveal to me the things of God that I need to chase after, that I need to pursue, that I need to embrace in my life. Would you help me to grow from a spiritual baby to a spiritual man or woman, to maturity in Christ? Some of y'all in this room say, I need to take that first step that you talked about, Joe. I I need to move from death to life so I can begin this pursuit of Christ. So I can receive this Holy Spirit helper who's going to help me to transform more and more into the image of Christ. The good news is that Jesus has made that very easy for us by doing the hard work for us. He lived a perfect life and suffered a sinner's death so that we could exchange our sin, our moral, ethical failures, our guilt. We trade that to him. He trades to us his perfection. He invites us into this trade. If you need to ask him to make that trade with you, I'm gonna invite you to pray something like this in your heart. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. Would you let Jesus' sacrifice on the cross apply to my sin? Would you be the one in charge of my life from now on? Pray that. I'm going to invite everybody to respond. If you need to talk to someone, it's like, I think I need to grow in this area. If you need to talk to someone, says, hey, I prayed that prayer with the pastor at the end. 
We're going to have some people up front who'd love to speak with you. We're going to have some people in our, in our new here circle in the lobby. We'd love to, to answer questions and encourage you and, and uh, speak with you some more. Let's respond to what the Lord's doing in each one of us today. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand and sing. you can be seated for a second. I want to talk to you and say thank you. Thank you for being faithful to give here at Fellowship Church in your tithes and your offerings, uh, in your times and in your talent. Um, hey, let me just tell you real quickly, you may have seen the destruction that's happened in Kentucky with the flooding. Uh, Kentucky came down here uh, four times during 2016 to help us out. Uh, Momal Karen is there. Many of you know her. Um, they have asked for rubber boots, uh, sizes eight and up, men's and women's. If you want to bring those by the church, we will get them to Kentucky. Uh, and you can look in the app and get connected to Disaster Relief. If you want to go with us, I expect that we will go. And um, all of those kinds of things happen because we are the body of Christ and we do this together. If you came prepared to give today, um, uh, please do that as you leave or you see behind me uh, some of the ways that uh, giving is done online. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, thank those of you who give to the backpack program already. Um, so this year, as uh, students go back to school, um, they will go back armed with a backpack and school supplies. 
And uh, I would love to trace for you a little bit about these types of backpacks and what they do. In the last year, um, I can point to people who have got in into uh, the waters and uh, professed Jesus Christ and were baptized because they showed up at a Christmas event because a backpack coordinator and their family put not just school supplies, they put food into a backpack. And those people's lives were changed forever because somebody shopped at Walmart and then delivered it to a school that partners with Fellowship Church. I could point you to kids who are worshiping this morning in our FC Kids because they receive one of these 140 backpacks a week that are delivered to our schools by your care and by your giving. I could point you to children who are in our unlimited ministry and getting to access fully uh, the gospel and the church because their family got connected to our, through our backpack program. And so I say thank you for those of you who gave last year, but this is something that we do every year. And I wanna give people the opportunity um, for $175 uh, in a course of a year or $25 a month. I know that math doesn't add up, but you get a discount if you do it all at once instead of nine times $25. So for $175, someone will shop, make a backpack, and deliver help and hope to kids who may not have weekend meals, all right? So I want you to be a part, about, a part of that. I want you to go beyond and to be a part of changing lives forever through peanut butter and snacks and meals and vegetables that are packed in here for the weekends uh, for kids uh, in Ascension Parish. Our goal this year is to be in uh, 10 schools instead of nine schools, right? Uh, ultimate goal is that we would be in every school at some point. But if you would be willing to give, you can sponsor a backpack uh, for this year. And so uh, thank you for being willing to give uh, and being willing to go beyond. Let me pray for us as we go. Father, I thank you, God, that you change lives through simple actions. Father, of giving of our time and our talent and our, our resources. God, that you use the little things, God, in big ways. God, I thank you for this church. God, for these people who are willing to not just know you, but to live it out every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.